Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. In this very lovely episode, you will hear Karthik Vaidyanathan sharing his journey from starting as a student in IIT Madras and becoming a visiting faculty for life skills and starting as a developer and moving into quality and becoming a uh, from product to services. And he also shares very great understanding of how do you learn how do you be curious and he ends with how a person can be successful with the combination of their passion and curiosity creating that understanding of oneself builds a firm foundation listen on welcome to the software people stories karthik so happy to have you here thank you thank you for the invite um to our listeners, would you like to introduce yourself, Karthik? I know you in different avatars. So uh, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I think I've been trying to discover who I am to define myself for a long time. So I keep changing my uh, my own definition of who I am for a while. Until recently when I uh, got interviewed by Dr. Ramya Ranganathan and uh, she in her description gave me uh, something which felt closest to what I am Okay, as of as of this moment. And I've considered myself a learner, mentor, gamification person, etc., etc. But what she said really is the closest to what I think I want to be. Nurturer of the human spirit and growth is what she mentioned. So I think I'll retain with that. Wow, amazing. I did uh, hear your uh, interview. It is a a very beautiful interview of moving away from a 9 to 5 job. Um, For those listeners who want to listen in, uh, please listen. to the video record, uh, interview between uh, Karthik and Ram, Dr. Ramya. It is an amazing one uh, as well, Karthik. So uh, I know you from the time that you, you were part of Infosys and their uh, product division. Uh, so that's where you started, right? Um, before that, uh, was there any early understanding of technology or understanding of uh, engineering before you joined uh, IIT Madras, uh, Karthik? To be honest, very uh, nothing at all. I, I don't know what I was venturing into. In fact, I just wrote IIT because everybody wrote IIT. Just like the uh, uh, join the group kind of a thing, right? Th- those days, okay, IIT was considered a premium college. Okay, let's join what people are doing to be with the crowd. Of course, one thing though is I was interested in science. I mean, as a part of my school studies, science and max was an area of my interest for sure. Actually, I didn't have any idea of science, technology, engineering, nothing of that sort until I, uh, it was just some target that people wanted to achieve. And, and then I had to discover what engineering technology was only when I joined the college. Uh, I know uh, IIT Madras is uh, one of the premium institutes and even today, everybody wise for it, right? They, in fact, uh, some of the children I know, they are studying right from their sixth grade. So for one exam, one uh, curriculum, right? 
what was your early childhood uh, experience while preparing for that? Was it only the 11th and 12th that you started off Karthik, or was it uh, more of that uh, seven, eight years of studying? Oh, no, no. I think uh, those days, uh, I don't think it was even there, the seven, eight years. Those uh, those days, there were no Fiji, Akash, Baijus, etc. It was only all, uh, the only things that existed was Brilliance and Agarwal tutorials. And then a lot of them were individual uh, teachers who taught uh, physics, chemistry, mathematics were taught individually by teachers, not a part of any particular group. Uh, in most of the cases, the classes started at 11th uh, and uh, ran into the 12th. There were a few cases where I believe the very small percentage of people started off in 9th and 10th, but that's only a fractional thing. Back in the 90s, it was only in 11th and 12th. Only in the last 10-15 years, it has uh, become like a craze from 6th and 7th standard onwards. You are a faculty today at IIT Madras. Being a premium institute, but also being a faculty there. How has that happened and how do you see yourself? I know you're talking about being a nurturer of human spirit. Uh, how has that transformed you personally? Okay. So this again did not happen uh, by plan, but I'll narrate the sequence of events that happened. But uh, before that, I'll clarify one thing. I'm a visiting guest or a visiting faculty. I'm not a permanent faculty there. The courses that I teach are, as a visiting faculty are uh, those that are uh, nothing to do with science or technology or management. And uh, probably more aligned to what I said earlier, nurturing the human spirit. Uh, it so happened, and all of these are the brainchild of uh, the previous Dean of Students, uh, Shivakumar Srinivasan. And of course, the previous deans who worked, who believed that students uh, need interventions beyond the core science and technology in order for them to become holistic leaders. Because today, we are uh, bombarding children and young adults with a lot of technical stuff, which improves, uh, which is very IQ focused. There is hardly, if any, EQ focus, EQ, soft skills and life skills. I'm, I'm calling three different terms. I'll explain why later. But broadly, outside of IQ or uh, the technology knowledge, we don't uh, have interventions that will help because these are the ones that are going to matter as the, as the adults grow as, or young adults grow into the, uh, whether they choose the corporate world or the academic world, research, whatever, whatever. The soft skills are going to, soft skills and uh, one understand uh, one's understanding of oneself is going to be playing a bigger role 10 to 15 years down the line and much beyond in life so not having this understanding and simply getting caught in the rat race or not having a clarity of what to do is a challenge that many of us have undergone ourselves we we ourselves get an idea of the world much better only in our 30s and 40s if we compare how, how we were as students now it was such a narrow idea of the world. In fact, hardly any idea of the world existed. If you had asked me what you will want to do uh, at that age, uh, we would have given some answers, which will mostly be a copy of what somebody else said. X wants to become, uh, wants to join this company. So I want to become, uh, join that company. Or Y wants to go abroad. I also want to go abroad. So it is more driven by very limited knowledge of your peers or parents or whatever it is. That's so it's a small ecosystem. There was no understanding of what you really wanted, what you are capable as an individual, what your strengths and weaknesses are. No systems existed. Nobody was there to guide. There was enough guidance available once you decided what you do. Right? For example, if you want to go abroad, everything was, uh, you can always ask your senior, your professor, all that will be in place. If you want to join a job, you want to do MBA, all that is known. But what do you want to do? That itself was 
there was no support systems and structures existing back then and that was not true only of iit i think the world was like that everywhere right india was in that stage where but over a period of time i think many professors uh, and uh, not just in iit i think everywhere they have realized the importance of this understanding self awareness uh, a broader understanding that each one of us just because we are in a same college or a, have chosen a particular stream are not necessarily similar individuals each one of us is different and it is important to create that self awareness in that particular person for them to take independent uh, calls in terms of what will work out for them so they created what is called uh, and, and many uh, stu- uh, students used to struggle and still they do uh, not just in iit everywhere about how to handle change the school to college is a very significant change particularly when it becomes a residential campus when you have to step out of your comfort of your home all along you are in the comfort of your family where the only uh, pressure was the academic pressure but when you go out step out and live in a new place new environment it's going to be a big challenge adapt, adapting to you'll meet people of different uh, cultures you'll meet people of different natures that is a significant change and uh, getting along with others is one of the biggest traits that has been identified by the previous trait and not all of us are good at it unless that that, that needs a constant work so that is one another thing is the managing the overall change itself change from one firm to the other even if it is in the same location right then the same organization if it is different department or different yes area. and adapting to change is super critical so that super is critical. the focus area uh, in yes and, and you said it beautifully in the corporate world the, the adapting to change never stops getting along with people uh, getting the art of getting along with people it's not an easy thing it's a lifelong thing so two people uh, the earlier dean professor shiva shrinivasan and another person by name shiva subramanyam who was the head of innovation earlier in iit madras he runs his own firm called biomimicry those two created a course called life skills focuses on these two aspects getting along how do you uh, how do you facilitate sessions so that the students understand the importance of getting along with each other the freshers who join the college and how do you how do they learn to manage change uh because there's so much of conflict that is going on you on the one hand you've come up with after so many years of uh, pressure competitive exam pressure honestly your score, social skills have gone down because you you've been isolated right it is not just the pandemic that isolates if you study for any competitive exam all your hobbies interests your uh, basic interaction with friends all come to a standstill even for the brighter student it takes a back seat now that has to be rejuvenated uh, not everybody loses it but there are some people who have the challenges so create interventions in the form of these courses and they have been doing this course and i think if i'm remembering right this is the 10th year they have uh, of the course in iit madras that is offered for the first year students i happened to join this course around 2018 if i remember right when uh, my friend krishnan introduced me to iit madras back although i am an alumnus i didn't know that i can go to the alumnus back and i can find avenues it took a long time for me to do this step although he advised me in 2017 itself but the moment i got introduced uh, when i got to know professor Sh- uh, shivakumar's work i thought uh, this is something that is significantly needed because i have been myself had had a big struggle over the many years to realize that this is a most important skill to be developed so it's more an experiential learning for me and uh, i thought this uh, if i can contribute in some form nothing like it because no matter the technology can advance you, uh, i mean you can do anything in the iq world 
but finally we are all humans so first uh, we need to have uh, skills related to what a human needs in this uh, in this world so i think somewhere this is giving that intervention so that's how i got into life skills in 3 years back okay okay excellent i love this journey of uh, not just from a you know you being going through the self discovery but also ensuring that others are kind of accelerate uh, towards that kartik you started as a uh, engineer back in infosys um, part of a product team yantra how has that worked and uh, can you contrast that initial days of learning software being part of the you know growing or rather i should say exploding software industry at those days any uh, early recollections of uh, stories that you can share yeah sure so i think um, it was uh, it was a wonderful team i can say that because uh, i i didn't know initially what is the difference between a service and a product when i joined but uh, over later i discovered uh, what product stood for and it was a product called wms yantra which is warehouse management system developed as a, it was a, earlier a project within infosys done for different clients but over a period of time it spun off into a separate entity called yantra corporation and uh, the work involved developing a end to end warehouse management system which is capable of receiving inventory storage picking packing shipping of goods software to enable the entire thing uh because shipping and logistics always has been a critical part of any economy and uh, this was one way of automating and empowering clients to uh, use use the software to do that see back then it was character user interface i think we used a, a editor called jam more than the technology i would say I, uh, in fact i was uh, into the quality assurance team from the day one Uh, although i spent some amount of time in maintenance and development a lot of my time has been in business facing functions which is more like a business analyst kind of a thing even quality assurance you under, needed to understand the use of the software by the clients and uh, later i was into production support which again was uh, directly pro- product usage so i think prod- product support and quality assurance where most of my time was spent there and it was a very wonderful experience because it was a startup i was young then so high energy uh, startup uh, with all the people around uh, giving that energy because you are an average of the team that you are a part of i always believe that so if the people around you are high energy you automatically become high energy and because the company was small it, it was uh, lovely in another way there is uh, things will move quickly people can contact each other i mean in, in large companies the challenge is communication and all that so here you need to just walk out every anybody is in a walking distance including the ceo of course you don't talk to the ceo every day but i'm saying technically is reachable in a startup a company who had hardly 50 to 100 people it was all in a single campus later of course the company grew and it became like a mid sized company etc i think uh, i can imagine uh, being a you know, small firm with uh, lots of learning right any startup would be like uh, yeah, eight to 12 hours of very high uh, highly invigorating kind of a work where you did and you also uh, have suddenly like explosion of learning also kathik you uh, from a product team you also moved to the yatra team uh, after a while and uh, you shifted to cognizant from a, from there to a services form so why did that happen so after uh, you see for the first 6 to 8 years i was somewhat connected with the product or what uh, business i was uh, the company was with over a period of time you start taking leadership positions you you become a uh, test lead or a qa lead then you become a qa manager all that is nice because it uh, you, you like to grow in the organization um, designation wise 
but then i realized that uh, i got caught into it so my learning stopped i i stopped learning for a brief period of time because i took my uh, role literally like manager means managing right i didn't spend time being a i won't say engineer necessarily but uh, of course to to be honest one thing is the there was no time right i mean this, the work was tight you didn't have unless you put in your conscious extra effort your time was spent in administrative work a lot of times resource hiring resource retention performance appraisal project reporting etc all these are important for the company but they don't over a period of time necessarily give you the best joy right i mean uh, so i did that for quite a long time on the one hand the ego was asking for growth in terms of designation on the other hand the spirit was uh, struggling with are you doing the right thing something is wrong so there was a disconnect inside the one reason that prompted me was uh, to switch to cognizant was not necessarily driven by uh, this quest there were two drivers of it one is i had to i wanted to shift to home town chennai to be with my family uh, parents the second was i wanted to get out of being with the same team for a long time it was almost 14 years i joined in 96 and by 2010 it was 14 years in the same company even if the product and service uh, product was great even if i was learning right there was this comfort zone whether things are working because i know the people or things are working because i am contributing right i wanted to it was getting too cozy which is not a good thing so i thought let me switch over to a different firm for sure to see whether i have learned anything can i put my learning to use in a different company there is no better test than that i had two choices of course products and services but then chennai again was not known for product companies not many at least there were a few but not to the extent that was there in bangalore but i don't want to go into a lot of unknowns change of city change of culture shift from product to services i didn't want to take up any domain so i thought there has to be something in common so testing was one of my forte's where which i had uh, worked uh, in a lot of my uh, life was in uh, quality assurance and at that time cognizant was the leading test services provider among all the it majors so i applied for cognizant and happened to get it and that's how the shift happened very nice um, you were saying about uh, decisions right sometimes uh, one is the personal decision a lot of uh, software people take decisions for the personal reasons software also gives that great platform where you can shift uh, to a different region or different place sometimes we overlook that uh, sort of a benefit that we have that we have an option to choose right no no i, I totally agree with you i think we should be really grateful uh, you are absolutely right if we were working in a factory or in an industry where this choice was not at all possible you had to shift your families there or reconcile to the constraints of that work environment and uh, what if uh, either bangalore or chennai did not have uh, any of these software right i mean other options to work you you bring up a very important point luckily uh, those things were very conducive despite all the challenges of the software industry we had options in south india and quite a few of them very true um, so when you are saying about uh, uh, testing uh, your own testing journey from a product moving into a services uh, being a tester and even the testing industry right has changed dramatically when i joined there was no concept of a test engineer mm. there will always be somebody who is certified that whether this, this can go to the lead and most of the time the certificate certifying authority need not be from a testing person could be a overall uh, person who's who knows that everything is working 
And uh, later we added something called a QA analyst, right? And then now uh, in our uh, current uh, agile ways of working, um, if we call them SDET, right? Uh, the software development engineer and tester. So, uh, I mean, the role itself has changed dramatically because of some of the technology that is changing underlying, right? Now, what, how, how have you traced this uh, change in your career? Uh, yeah. So it is very good that you're asking this question because when I joined uh, Infosys in that first project, Yantra, until our, my, my batch had joined, there was no test engineer per se. The software developer used to develop it, test it and ship it, right? That was the time they created a dedicated small testing team because the previous version of the product developed so many problems. The customer was very unhappy and uh, the uh, leadership team decided that we had to dedicate time. We cannot accept a, a bad name from our clients. We have to invest significant time by independent testing because software developers, although it's not conscious, right? You, uh, you, you, you don't give a critical external eye to your own code. I mean, you get uh, caught in your logic. Always, there is always a neutral review that helps you take a better look at yourself, right? So that independent testing, although a developer is perfectly capable of testing, that objective independent testing uh, need was felt then. So an independent QA team was created for this project for the first time. It was probably one of the first uh, in the uh, in the company itself at that time, I would say. If not the first, I would say one of the first, definitely. And I think over a period of time, what happened is uh, all companies started realizing that in their own way and test services started growing because the software finally is the same. So everywhere it's the same problem. Uh, rushed up deliveries, quick uh, requirements uh, problem, and all those miscellaneous things. Uh. And uh, when I decided to return to services in 2010, I was surprised that it, I, I'll narrate one incident. Uh, okay, uh, the um, cognizant was the leading uh, test services provider. If I, I, I may not exactly be remembering the revenue, but significant revenue coming from testing. In fact. Okay. Testing in Cognizant touched the billion revenue mark in 2012 or 2013. Billion revenue mark. They celebrated it. Okay, and okay. then 2 billion revenue in 2016. I, which means that 2010, it must have been something like 600 million or something like that. Significant, very significant. Contrast this to 96 when I joined the testing team. All my peers and friends said, you have no career. Please switch over to development. They're just putting you as a dummy in testing and uh, nobody's going to teach you coding. Etc. This was an honest feedback and this did not last only in Infosys in 96. This lasted a long time. Testing was not perceived on par and it in continuity, despite testing revenue being significantly high in 2010-2011, testing was considered one grade lower. To be fair, I, uh, in fact, initially it used to make me frustrated, worried, etc. But objectively looking at it, later I realized that it's a secondary function. See, developers are the primary people. Okay, let's face it. That doesn't mean that testing is any secondary because you're doing an independent quality audit. But you have to be objective enough saying that any secondary provider can be eliminated at any point in time, which is what is happening in testing now. Because it grew so big, the client started questioning, why should I pay for your development team? Why should I pay for your testing team? Why don't you get it right the first time? It's a fair question. And then testing started shrinking. Shrinking as in in the right way, I would say, uh, developer testing, uh, tester 
at one uh, for a long time it's like always there is a big uh, fight between them uh, developers will never say that uh, you, you guys are theoretical testers there will not be such a case in production testers will say no we have the requirements you didn't test it and there will be all, all kinds of things see that honest collaboration between developers and testers i mean let's face it these are all youngsters right maybe 10 years down the line when you uh, have some amount of leadership experience you have seen the world you will not uh, talk like this but bulk of the crowd in software is young now objectively looking at it there was a need for everything to come together right the customer can't keep paying for everything you have to get it right how do you get it right there are different ways and then that's where we brought up this uh, waterfall to agile transition also was happening right because we were developing huge pieces of software investing significant amount of time to test and then go back to developers fix it and all that the uh, world started ad- adapting agile and uh, now it's moved uh, more into devops right so it's all coming for the better i would say all functions are needed all functions are respected but it is not necessarily two teams in some cases it's multiple teams sometimes it's the single person they call that full stack developer or something i don't know whether i'm using the right term but whatever it is the one person needs to be a master of several things of the entire thing that that's how it is yeah right now uh, full stack developer is more around somebody who can actually do both from a back end front end as well as you can also do some develop mobile app developer and um, the t-shaped engineer is another term that is being used a lot right quality engineering also has shifted quite a bit in terms of ensuring that more automation is there so that repetitiveness manual uh, intervention is lesser given that journey i want to trace back to the you are an entrepreneur uh, you are you are running your own firm uh, learn to play uh, which i have i have personally experienced that uh, uh, in terms of uh, learning and being able to apply that can you share some anecdotes as to how did you come upon this sort of a uh, gaming see it took about 15 years of me and a lot of introspection it didn't come overnight i realized that in some form or the other i was connected with learning i i didn't know what my right role that i would enjoy doing permanently was it took a lot of time very different experiences both positive and negative to uh, lead me towards this okay for example in the earliest days i would say i would try and see can we do video recording and make it available for the new trainees to learn because that was the most novel thing that was possible back then i'm talking about 15 years back now if you see the correlation to learning itself right the the key part of learning is engagement with the audience and making it interactive now i've done a lot of faculty development programs the first question i pose is what is your number one challenge in your classrooms today the word interactivity attention engagement come in the center there are other challenges of course every learner needs to get engaged with the speaker or the teacher right the facilitator this needs and to tap into the emotional side of the learner i'm just taking a slight detour i know that but i'll come back to your main question the emotional part and the engagement part is critical and that can be achieved in multiple ways i'll give you sample examples videos work beautifully compared to a faculty speaking well made videos that's because we are appealing to the audio visual part of our mind audio visual learning works storytelling works it's not easy to create stories but if you manage to create stories and narrate during classes uh, when i say classes i don't necessarily mean educational institutions it is corporate learning also you you must be aware of lot of corporate storytellers who are getting popular that's because storytelling appeals to the emotional part of the mind 
now games are another variety that appeals to the emotional part of the brain all of these somewhere tickle the uh, minds uh, the hormones related to happiness it could be uh, most likely this dopamine um, which causes the attention and stickiness to what is being taught there are several studies that state that the average attention span of our individual is decreasing it's definitely not going to be more than 10 minutes for sure <laughs> and uh, if you lecture either in a corporate training session or if you lecture in a classroom the learners are not going to be engaged this is exactly where we need videos we need stories we need uh, games they give that well needed break they i'm not saying games will replace teaching but games offer a very significant intervention in the form of bringing back engagement and interactivity i have a big believer of training from the back of the room um, by uh, sharon so what 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 uh, the theory uh, or a concept is very similar to what you said you design games it could be uh, based on interaction or it could be actually learning from each other uh, if you have a class of particularly adults right um, rather than hearing from one person the, the trainer becomes a facilitator who only just nudges them towards the direction and the learning or the enthusiasm to learn comes automatically yes are you also doing something to unlearn uh, the learning part of it can you share some of these things, some some things that our listeners can take away so i think even a simple things of you know changing from one model to other there is a immediate resistance right when we talk about change at the corporate level how can you uh, reduce that resistance from with one sir before i answer your question i'll uh, narrate two uh, two other benefits of games and you stated beautifully first it is the shift from being a teacher or a faculty or a trainer to a facilitator you you enable learning in the classroom it's a learning flow has to happen in that ecosystem and not a one way journey right that is fundamentally the purpose of a facilitator and if you are a good facilitator you can use any tool storytelling you can uh, go with your usual uh, there is 100 other techniques available for facilitation games are a very significant part of that so but if you use games it will additionally help you as a facilitator now the two other uh, benefits of games uh, i would like to highlight are games ensure a fail safe environment by fail safe environment what i mean is whether it is children or adults at any age a lot of us are hesitant to open up our mouths in when a question is asked in a classroom and even if the facilitator is very very conducive he is not going to be like why is this happening it's because of our social the self imposed stigma we all have as individuals and that includes me by the way i mean i'm saying we are all part of it. it's not that you have mastered anything that's because what if i give a wrong answer what will my peers think of me what will the trainer think of me neither of them is going to think anything but this will be there in the mind this environment is not fail safe people are not uh, comfortable opening up in front of a alternate audience this fail safe tendency goes away by creating games i'll tell you how let's say there are 30 people in an audience you create five tables of six people each the six people it's more like a chat chat session you reduce the level of uh, failure to a much lower it's just five more people they're all friends chatting in one small corner nobody is going to be listening to their uh, what each one says as in like they not be exposed if they give something wrong and secondly when they play a game depending on the answers they give they'll either score points or they will lose points 
and game is one such thing where failure or losing points is perfectly a valid outcome very you are very comfortable yeah. here also right so the fail safe environment that a game provides nothing else can provide and then you can design games that are to the level of the learner by that i what i mean is see one of the other uh, challenges of our uh, teaching training systems is the curriculum is fixed as in there will be a powerpoint which which fixed information content or a textbook equivalent of it but, but the learners will be all in different levels of pre knowledge of that uh, subject right i mean there'll be the both in terms of interest levels as well as uh, the level of knowledge prior to uh, prerequisites will be at different levels how will it work if a if the trainer uh, delivers training with this kind of an audience with games you can create multiple levels of games uh, beginner intermediate expert etc etc which can be administered to different sets of learners so that they are all comfortable and the beginner learner once they understand they migrate to the next level and so on and so forth expert learner will get bored if they are given a beginners level game so you you are sensitive to each level of the audience knowledge so this is yet another example how uh, games can be made to the level of the learner so i just deviated a bit so that i uh, i'm able to highlight the benefits of games there are many more but i don't want to go into all of them but i just thought i'll touch upon these i'll come back to your main question now sorry i deviated a bit you served the question in your own uh, way kartik in fact what you saying is um, if you learn in a smaller fail safe environment your ability to open up rather than in a classroom setting where uh, they may uh, in based on which level i am then i may switch off completely or other way around right uh, and it's also about learning from uh, you know if it's in a smaller setting uh, somebody something they might have said that will stick to your mind particularly when it is com- coming in a very jovial manner i know um, we have been talking about your career uh, from the start right as a, a developer a manager senior leader in uh, there are different firms right if we look at it from a uh, 5 years down the line or 8 years down the line where is this industry really moving towards any um, you know wisdom any thoughts that you have you mean the software itself or uh, software uh, industry okay i'm i'm not the best person to predict but uh, because you asked the question let me let me try i i cannot answer for everything but there is lots of exciting things happening a small small excitements that i am aware of so for example one of the things my mentor told me is get to know about low coding platforms there are a lot of them emerging coding needs a lot of patience patience in getting the uh, logic right uh, compilation miscellaneous other things right so that's that's not for me i've tried in multiple stages of my life it, now when there is some low coding platform you are making it easier for humans to code a lot more people are going to code okay are going to take up to coding so that is one exciting development another exciting thing is um, the connectivity overall right i mean um, there are so many apps emerging there is so much of information that is uh, also being available to people right uh, this internet no, not internet the social media platforms particularly like linkedin and uh, others right it is not sufficient that a development uh, alone happens but the dissemination that something is available should be known quickly that is why i am talking about both of these technology development alone if it happens in one silo uh, doesn't reach uh, it's not going to be of any benefit 
so that is another uh, so i get excited about the social media platforms i mean they have their pluses and minuses for sure but i'm looking at the positives right how quickly information disseminates or the good information disseminates how uh, how innovative people are in general right there are people are starting their own startups in new new spaces solving small small problems through technology small or big it doesn't matter so these are holding exciting times i am not be able to predict uh, 5 10 years from now but overall it looks very promising uh, the fact that young engineers want to take an alternate route they want to show their creativity they want to learn new things and they want to contribute in some form to the by solving a real uh, problem of the world looking at a large client you are solving a small part of a very large problem and when you don't get that satisfaction of what you are doing right kind uh, of you're not connected to the big picture you don't feel that happiness whereas if you develop even a small piece of code and that actually are able to see the impact right let's say you develop a library management system or some accounting system to a ngo but ngo uses it based on the single developer thing that satisfaction level is infinitely more than necessarily working for a large firm we'll have to wait and see what the world is uh, headed to where the world is headed to excellent kartik in fact uh, with this podcast i can imagine uh, us having a couple of uh, you know follow ons and uh, given the time i want to uh, any final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with any uh, anything that you would like to share uh, one thing uh, that is constant is keep learning learning new things be curious uh, somewhere i read i think i want to quote that uh, uh, exact uh, phrase there is this thomas friedman world uh, is flat world is flat right something he gives five pieces of advices to the younger generation he specifically calls it daughters daughters of the world one of the lines is passion quotient plus curiosity quotient is uh, is greater than iq pq plus cq is greater than iq it's not that iq is less important iq is going to be important but your passion to make a difference and uh, being curious curious is also about humility right you don't know it all but you are interested in knowing a lot of times curiosity builds so much of uh, energy within the body you don't have to be intelligent honestly but curiosity builds that amount of energy and passion gives that amount of energy strength that it solves a problem so pq plus uh, cq uh, is greater than iq is one thing that uh, i remember in mind and uh, the other four advices i don't immediately recollect but i suggest you go through that article uh, uh, the the five pieces of advices by thomas friedman and then the second thing which i learned the hard way but i think i will want to uh, still share uh, it's not that i have mastered it somewhere i saw a framework of holistic living right it's not life is all not about job career technology we uh, some of us get immersed in that because it's a uh, uh, passion we are humans right individually we are humans uh, so we need a balanced integrated life and there were four pillars for that i want to emphasize that four pillars one is skilling learning finance these are all together i mean unless you continuously skill yourself uh, you're not going to be uh, learning and skilling yourself you're not going to be uh, uh, generating money right uh, so these three go together that's one pillar second is health health there are two parts physical health and fitness and the second is mental well being okay these are in some sense interconnected you need a good physical fitness to be mentally well and vice versa but these two pillars we need to be aware of and these are also again incidentally connected to the other pillars also the third part uh, is relationships i cannot underemphasize or overemphasize whichever way you put it right the importance of relation good relationships with everybody uh be it family 
be it friends be it customers be it vendors who i mean with everybody in the world okay and with oneself of course that starts with oneself because uh, i'm just quoting a harvard uh, longest harvard study um, that was conducted over 75 years this is this seems common sensical but yet still is the most forgotten thing and i am reminding for myself also as i talk to you what 75 years they have done and determined what are the most uh, um, what is the sing, uh, top three determinants of happiness in a long lived life the top three factors were relationships relationships and relationships <laughs> if you don't have good relationships no amount of money will keep you happy because the emotional part of our mind will be agitated even one single friction just imagine you are very common sensical to imagine it can be with your client with your family member with somebody that keeps nagging and no amount of physical health or uh, money etc will this thing so third pillar is relationships the fourth pillar is spirituality in whatever way people understand that uh, we are a part of we have been sent for a purpose we are connected all we are doing is because of uh, the infinite's grace the universal spirit god whatever you call it right the connectedness if uh, i there have been phases where i have not been connected with the divine and it's been miserable i mean it doesn't mean religious religious connection but uh, uh, that that connection gives a sense of purpose to our lives sense of service attitude etc right i mean it gives a uh, it gives us with that uh, vitality uh, inside uh, which also helps us in good times and helps us also navigate difficult times which are uh, a part of our lives good and bad times are going to be uh, part of our lives both these uh, the only pillar we can bank on is spirituality the other three are not going to help us so all these are the four things i want to leave wow <laughs> you you summed it up so well kartik very very well put kartik and uh, i have had a uh, so much of joy hearing and talk and hearing your journey and uh, thank you so much for your time kartik and uh, i wish you all the best for your uh, learn to play venture and uh, hope you get uh, higher high thank you so much for considering me and uh, interviewing me it's a pleasure i have learned a lot from you uh, as friends we have interacted so much thanks hopefully this is some of these uh, are going to be helpful for all of us it's a reiteration in fact i i call this interview also a reiteration to myself i also need to listen and practice right some of these you learn you forget again you come back learn start practice thank you uh, once again so much We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com.